Hi, welcome to Shrink Wrapped. I'm Allison Colorosi here with my husband, Dr. David Colorosi, and this is episode number four. And if you haven't joined us before, this is David answering listener questions candidly, off the cuff, and without preparation. And we've changed the, the format will be the same for YouTube, but uh, we're also going to be putting this on um, or making this into a podcast. So it'll be available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you might find podcasts. Yeah. Make sure you like and subscribe. Are you ready to get started? I'm ready. First question. Why is your shirt so tight? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, know that it, I was thinking that it looked, it, it looked like it's a little bit uncomfortable. And it, it is a little uncomfortable. You big muscles That's, there. It's the lighting. That's why. That's good. It looks mm-hmm. good. Okay, real first question. Each episode, I'm going to get this tighter and tighter shirt if I get more viewership. Please don't. I could get, that's mm-hmm. unless I'm losing subscribers. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Um, so the first question is gaslighting. It's a new term in pop psychology, and I was just wondering if you could kind of take us through what gaslighting is and then how to identify it in your relationships. So I like so I think gaslighting is a cool term. It's been around. I've heard about it anyway, kind of for like the last five years. It's kind of been in vogue. It comes from the 1940s from a movie where there was a psychotic killer um, that kept everybody off of his trail by telling them that they were crazy for you know recognizing that he had done something wrong. So take that premise into your current relationship. Gaslighting is when one person in the relationship tells the other that there's nothing wrong. The other one is just you know, nuts. They're oversensitive, you know, uh, they're making things up, you know, they're being too aggressive, they're attacking, they're lying. It's the idea is that instead of actually having a conversation about, you know, if Allison's upset with me, instead of me saying, well, why are you upset? And let's see if I can make that better. It's me saying, you're being nuts, so stop it. And when gaslighting gets really bad, I feel like you're going to say something. I don't think you've ever done that. Every once in a while, gaslighting. Some, every once in a while, I'm not saying I'm perfect, okay? But uh, and by the way, I will say it's never worked for me. But I think effective gaslighters can make someone feel totally crazy, um, and then it shuts down the conversation. And it really can be like when it's extreme, it can be um, kind of emotionally abusive because the person who's being gaslit really questions their own uh, kind of reality and their ability to understand what's important in a relationship and what's not important in a relationship. So the answer to the second part of your question was, what do you do if you're being gaslit or how do you recognize if you're being gaslit? I think in general, in a relationship, you want to be on solid ground. You want to know who you are and trust that. So if you're upset with your partner um, and your partner isn't listening to you and they're minimizing what you're feeling, there needs to be a part of you that is grounded enough to stand up to that. You don't want to be in a relationship where everything that you think about is dictated or predicated on your partner approving that. I think that's where people get into trouble is when they're thinking, you know, my partner thinks that I'm wrong for being upset. Um, and that's the, kind of the, it's the wrong mindset. If you are upset, you should be trusting yourself that you're upset about it. You are upset for a reason. So I'm just going to, I have another question based on this. As we, I felt like that was a really good explanation, by the way. Okay, thank you. But I feel like as a woman, we've been told that we are crazy. I mean, even back with Freud, we're hysterical. Um, we're always too much. We're too meek. We're too loud. We're too aggressive. I just feel like as a woman, I've, I've been gaslit every space of my entire life. Is that true? I'm too sensitive. I've, I've gotten that too. 
Okay, but I think we... I, <laughs> um, well, so I... There's a continuum here. So I think by the definition that I gave you, I think you could look at everything and say, well, I'm being gaslit constantly. But gaslighting is severe. It's intense. It's over the top, making you think that you're crazy. Um, and so, but yeah, if people are constantly telling you that you're being overly sensitive and you believe, oh my God, something's wrong with me, I am too sensitive, then you are being gaslit and it is changing the way you view yourself. And I do think that that's a problem. Yeah. Do the yeah. gaslighters know they're gaslighting or are they just trying to deflect from their own um, accountability? Yeah. So I don't think it, it like the, the implication, if you think about it from like the movie, right, you had this psychotic killer who was using this as a strategy to protect himself. And I don't think that modern day gaslighting, the way we talk about it, I don't think it's dependent on the gaslighter uh, to actually know that they're doing that. They're just defending themselves like you would in any fight. But it becomes, it becomes a problem when that strategy is used so much that their partner really believes that they are kind of inherently wrong in everything that they're thinking or feeling. So I don't, like I don't, so often, um, I feel like we try to attribute blame or like some kind of malicious quality to people, and I don't think that it's necessarily malicious, but the but the impact, right? It's like intent versus impact. The impact is what's important. The gaslighter might not intend to uh, be emotionally abusive, but the impact could be to damage the way someone sees themselves, you know, and it can cause major problems. Well, thank you for explaining that. Okay, so I a little on a lighter note. Let's you one thing I got mad at David about was that Oh good, I'm looking for <laughs> I'm looking forward to this he, question. In his last video, he only talked about Karen's and I feel like I I woke up and he's like, "What do you think?" and I said, "Well, you didn't talk about any guys." And luckily, we've had a Chad recently. Um his name was Michael Lofthouse and he was the CEO of Solid 8. Do you want to make any comments about, about there chads? being chads? So I will. I was saying I can do a video about chads, and I did get some feedback, and I think it is right that the video I did. I made a video about Karen's. If you haven't seen it, I will. I'm gonna try and I'll link it there, or I'll put it. I'll put it there on the actual video. <laughs> uh, um, Karen's get a bad rap, and I think that there are there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is. I think that it is true that men are more likely to get punched in the face if they act that way. So there is a real, I go, I feel like in our culture, a woman can get away with that behavior without any major physical harm immediately. For the most part, if a male acts that way, they're going to get popped, right? And so I feel like there's fewer of them because it's dealt with differently. But there are chads, or like I've read, they're chads or Kens, or there's one other name, but the same kind of thing where you have this rich, um, you know, privileged, typically white guy, you know, that thinks the world belongs to them, um, and then treats everybody around him like shit. And I think that that's, you know, so the video, I don't know if you've seen it, this, look up that video, what's the guy's name again? Michael Lofthouse. But he's just sitting in a restaurant and just verbally abusing uh, other patrons in the restaurant. I mean, it's, it's disgusting, and he could not be any more of a chad. I mean, it is, it is the male version of what I was talking about uh, when describing Karen's. And we should talk about Karen's, another piece of feedback I got about the Karen um, clip is that I want to be really clear about describing the difference between 
an assertive woman and a Karen. And I think that there is some concern that if we immediately label uh, aggressive women or assertive women as Karens, that we're in some way saying that women shouldn't be aggressive in general. And so I want to be, you know, that was a fun video to make. Uh, this is, you know, it was designed to be provocative, but I'm really talking about, you know, kind of in the bell curve of behavior, I am talking about the most extreme kind of narcissistic, disgusting uh, reaction, you know, racist reaction to things. That's what a Karen is. A, a woman who's advocating for herself being assertive, I think is totally appropriate. And I think as a society, we should be a validating of that. So I just want to be clear that I sort of delineated between the two. Thank you for doing that. Do you agree? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you want to do one more question? Yeah. Okay. Last question. Okay. I have recently learned about walk and talk therapy. What do you think about it? And have you done it? I have done it. Walk and talk. I, I like walk and talk therapy. Uh, so what have, what have you heard about it? Well, in psychology today, it said it was like really good for teenagers. Um, I think it would be good for me because I like to be moving. Yeah. Um, so when I used to work as a therapist, I liked walking therapy. The idea is instead of sitting at a, you know, in an office with your, you know, client as a therapist, you get up and you go and you take a walk and you're walking together. And it's, it's, it's helpful for a lot of reasons. The first is most therapist's office will have, you know, the client's chair and the therapist's chair and there's nothing in between. And when you're in school, you're told, don't put anything in between. You're told that there's, by having a table there, for example, that it creates a barrier and there's a, all of a sudden you're distant and you can't be fully connected. Um, what that also means is that without a table, if you're just sitting next to someone, looking straight on them, it's super intense. And so you, if you have clients that are insecure or uncomfortable with therapy or they're uncomfortable with their own emotions or they lack kind of emotional composure, uh, it can be really uncomfortable. And so as a therapist, uh, I have had clients that don't want to look at me, they're uncomfortable, and, and the, I think a really good strategy is to say, well, let's take a walk. When you're walking, you are burning that energy, that anxiety out. You're not having to focus just on the therapist, so it creates a little bit more space. And you can kind of think and process without the same level of pressure of a therapist being like, so how are you feeling about that? Yeah. Right? Therapists can be a little bit too intense. And so for some people, that walk therapy is a, I think it's a really good technique. Do you think people are doing it during COVID right now? I'm sure they are. It seems they like a be. healthier way to do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Anyway, thank you so much for joining. This was really fun. Again, like and subscribe, and this is going to be up on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, and please leave us com leave questions in the comments um, or on the YouTube channel. You can click in and you can find an email that you can send questions to as well. Thank you so much. Thank you.